Amy McLaughlin here for Stick Together, a half hour of workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. We come to you from 3CR on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation with respect to the elders past, present and emerging. We are coming to you on your community radio station through the Community Radio Network. In today's program, we will feature Union Solidarity with Palestine as Gaza is bombarded by the Israeli army and 1.1 million people are being told to evacuate their homes with literally no safe place to go. The word that the world has been applying is genocide with no regard for international law. But before that, we remember the worst industrial disaster in Australian history, find out how business thinks one in a hundred workers dying of silica dust inhalation is less important than what surface you have on your kitchen tops, and why public housing is under the hammer and how unions fit in. It is the 53rd anniversary of the collapse of the Westgate Bridge, the worst industrial disaster in Australian history. 35 people lost their lives and 18 workers survived. But in lieu of the now existent emergency services, these people were the ones left to move the bodies and tend the injured. A few days later, they were all sacked. This event was a turning point for occupational safety in Australia. Every year, the event is remembered under the bridge. Just to refresh memories, we'll hear a part of an interview made by Marcus Harrington with Pat Preston, a man who was there on the day the bridge came down. Welcome to the program, Pat. Uh, good morning, Marcus. What are your memories? Or what do you recall about that tragic day? Oh, it was a, it was a Thursday, uh, Marcus, um, back uh, a payday. Um, just you know, went to work just like uh, any other day. Didn't seem anything unusual about the day, other than a bit of a chill in the in the air. Um, I was a crane operator, uh, and uh, just. Getting on towards dinner time, it was uh, um, customary when I, uh, on a small light mobile crane, um, when I was uh, 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 near the steel spans to, to uh, drive down there and pick up a couple of the, the guys and run them up to this body hotel. It's, uh, things were different in those days on construction. Um, I'd parked my crane just uh, almost up, uh, alongside the the steel spans, which would been had been put up, and uh, looked up on the lift up, uh, seen um, uh, mate mine, Paddy Hannaby, one of the riggers, uh, and a couple of others, and uh, engineer Ian Miller looking down uh, from the lift platform, um, uh, and uh, suddenly there's this. Uh, very loud, um, well, it's hard to explain the noise, it was like a cracking and uh, <laughs> banging up uh, above me and um, looking up, uh, see the, uh, the, the the bridge seemed to be moving. And then I realised what was happening, it started buckling and coming down and I sort of got myself behind uh, the, the rear wheels on the crane there thinking, oh shit, <laughs> you know, better get away from this. Uh, whilst I was looking, uh, um, one of the guys who was on uh, the walkway to lift platform came flying down uh, just uh, uh, past me. 
that was one, um, a young carpenter, uh, apprentice carpenter who had sort of landed in the swamp. Um, from there, well, you know, as you can imagine, it was a shock and uh, uh, everything sort of went very quiet for a little while. You know, well, maybe only a second or two, it would seem like that, everything going quiet. And then, and then it, uproar, you know, bangs and uh, noise and... Uh, and uh, that's uh, once you sort of get over the shock, it's in to see uh, what you can do. And had the workers uh, sensed there was something wrong on the project in the days prior? Uh, most certainly, look, it was only a couple of months before uh, when we had a mass meeting because we'd heard of the Milford Haven Bridge uh, collapsing in the UK. Uh, and... Uh, you know, we had meetings, discussions about it, and we ended up with engineers coming and telling us how safe the job was we were working on, and how it was a, a belts and braces type technique, and it was, we had nothing to worry about. Um, on the uh, just uh, a couple of, uh, well, just uh, just a week or so before uh, the collapse on a Sunday, I was on a job and finish. Uh, we used to have that sort of thing in those days on construction. On the crane, helping um, to derig uh, a crane just alongside uh, the steel span, so we have a, a 1,200-line crane, along with uh, a couple of the riggers who unfortunately came down on the, on the bridge, uh, and uh, uh, one of the foremen who had gone up to take some visitors onto the top. Um, and uh, when he came down, was talking to him down by the lift, uh, and he mentioned how uh, the steel was very hot and a bit of a bluey colour on it. Um, at the time, didn't think anything of it, but uh, uh, there'd been a number of meetings over the safety of the bridge. So you know, we were we put sort of the trust in engineers, which uh, now I've learned you, know, you just don't trust no bastard. And um, how would you describe safety on the job in those days? I mean, today we have the consultation rights, the OHNS Act, safety committees exist uh, look, on work sites. That was non-existent in those days. I was... uh, no, it wasn't. Look, uh, we uh, uh, safety was ourselves. If we thought it was wrong, it was wrong, and uh, uh, we, you know, we blued about it. We, we had stop work uh, meetings and uh, discussed and uh, the issues and. Uh, but if there, if there was not safety as we know it now. Look, uh, what we uh, enjoy on construction now, I guess you could say, had a uh, had a, uh, a, a beginning uh, on what came out of the Westgate Bridge. I mean, we all learnt lessons there. Uh, this is the, us, uh, the workers. Uh, we learnt that, that uh, uh, not just to, to trust on face value what. Uh, uh, what bosses and engineers tell us, so we'll, we'll dig in and learn ourselves. As the CFMEU Vic Taz Facebook says, every year this day stands as a stark reminder of the uncertainties on the job and the fundamental right of every worker to return home safely. Hashtag never forgotten. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. The Victorian Trades Hall Council Premier Event, the HSR Conference, Health and Safety Reps Conference, was held on Monday the 23rd of October. 
opened by the secretary of the hall, Lou Kelakari, he brought to the fore the major campaign against silica dust, calling out vested interests, which are using media outlets to dampen down the justified fear of death through silica dust if industry and governments don't activate themselves against products and practices that are killing workers in their 20s and 30s even more swiftly than asbestos. The next campaign we need to talk to you about is silicosis. You might have seen a fair bit being discussed about this. It is one of the most deadliest diseases out there right now. It is the asbestos of our time. In many cases, we think it could be worse. What it is, it's fine particles called silica that is found often in stones and rocks and stuff like that. And those fine particles, when they get into your lungs, they can give you cancer. They can give you lung cancer. Um, we are facing a crisis in Australia about that right now. There are 103,000 Australian workers in a range of, range of occupations, from tunnelling to stonemasons to cement work to mining to construction, uh, will be diagnosed with silicosis in the next decade. Um, for many people, that's, that's going to be a death sentence. Um, and for 103,000 Australians to be caught up in that, that that's, that's quite a lot. Um, one of the leading culprits behind it is engineered stone. Do you know those pretty stone bench tops you see that are promoted on, oh, Will, what's that, what's that TV show? The Block. The Block. The Block did a whole apology piece about engineered stone the other week, trying to tell you it's absolutely safe. Well, there is no safe level of exposure to silicosis. Now, the companies are starting to fight back about this. Now, you might have seen last week in the Herald Sun full-page ads. Actually, these full-page ads went around the nation. They, mis they mistold the facts on it. They said, look, only 1% of workers will be exposed, and you know, only 1% of the workers are going to get sick from silicosis. Right, apart from the fact that the numbers aren't wrong, if I gave you a bowl of M&Ms, and I said one of those, you know, out of 100 M&Ms, one of those M&Ms might kill you, would you eat any of the M&Ms? You would not touch that bowl, right? So they're trying to run something in the newspaper saying, oh, you know, only one in a hundred is going to get really sick and might die. When there is so many other choices you could have for engineered stone, for having a kitchen benchtop, right? Like, workers' lives aren't worth a kitchen benchtop. I'll tell you what. It's, it's unbelievable. We're furious about it, frankly. Uh, we're calling for a complete ban on silicosis, on engineered stone. You will see much, much more of this over the next 10 years. Um, it will sound like the asbestos campaign because, frankly, these companies knew that it was exposing people. They knew it was getting people injured. They knew people were dying and they didn't do anything about it. Which brings us to asbestos. It is the 20-year anniversary this month about the ban of the importation and use of asbestos in Victoria. Um, that was a massive campaign led by HSRs and unions just like yourself. It is a big deal that we led the world in this space. There are countries around the world that are still using asbestos in every bits and pieces you can imagine, and we're helping these countries, especially in, in undeveloped nations, where you, so, you still see workers walking through, basically, I don't know, what do you call it, like sand dunes of asbestos unprotected. Um, so we're doing work in that space. Um, again, this is like silicosis. You know, the companies knew. They all knew that it was exposing people. 
that it would make people sick, that people would die, and they underfunded the compensation to make that right. So we should just note that it's the 20 years anniversary and that these type of diseases haven't gone away in our workplaces and we need to do more work. Um, we need to vi be vigilant, we need to be alert, we need to continue to educate our workers about this. Uh, you know, it's in schools, it's in hotel rooms, like asbestos is still, it's in your shed. It's, it's still everywhere in the community and we've still got to do work to eliminate it from our built environment. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. Public housing. Before Daniel Andrews left the Premier's chair in Victoria, his government announced that the 40 public housing towers across Melbourne would be raised. The land handed to private developers for private apartments with a minuscule amount of social not public housing to be included in some of the sites. Where there are 10,000 housed, 30,000 will be, which means the green space around the towers will disappear in already overcrowded inner-city suburbs. A Rye observer has noted that if these towers were on the outskirts of Melbourne, the private developers and the government would probably not have been so keen not to discuss the matter with the public housing tenants before it was announced in The Age, the main daily in Melbourne. At a well-attended rally on Saturday the 21st at Howden Gardens at the foot of the Collingwood Towers, being targeted in the second push to raise the towers, Rachel Evans from Action for Public Housing in Sydney spoke to the need for a national response for the wholesale theft of public housing assets by the big end of town and compliant governments. This response includes union intervention as one of the last civil society membership organisations with skin in the game. The last speaker, Rachel Evans, is from Sydney, from the Action for Public Housing, where they've had at Waterloo in the inner city of Sydney a very, very impressive campaign that has actually reached, got support from the CFMU nationally. So, Rachel, you're next. Thanks, Steve, and to all the wonderful housing tenants and speakers here today. It's really inspiring to see so many people. I'm normally based in Gaddy, Sydney, and I bring greetings and solidarity from Action for Public Housing New South Wales. And we've been organising for two, two and a half years in a really intense manner against the demolition proposals by the Paratet Liberal government and then the Labor government recently elected. Um, and we've spent some serious organising time in Glebe, 82 Wentworth Park Road. We occupied for six days when the government sh showed that they were resolute to try and privatise the land and demolish the estate. Six days and on day two, Department of Housing came in and the police came in and said, you've got the right to protest, of which we always do. Um, and we, we gathered all this support. And we're really... We want to give solidarity because when the Labor Party got elected in New South Wales, we thought that the, perhaps we would save Waterloo and perhaps we would save South Everly Estates and 82 Wentworth Park Road and Franklin Street. We thought that might happen because the Labor Party promised that they would not privatise anything. That was their pre-election promise. And of course, actually, it was only day three. Day three in New South Wales Parliament, and they said, we're going to demolish Waterloo. It's 3,000 people in Waterloo. It is the largest amount of public housing across Australia in any one suburb. And we said, that's not going to happen. And we've been organising since. But we were even surprised to see what the Labor Party 
announced here. We were shocked and we were surprised and we think that we really need national organising and national cohesion. We need a national movement to defend and extend public housing, beautiful public housing, and we need to tax the rich to do it. And what this struggle represents actually, when we're out on the streets and we've had two major rallies in Sydney, plus some, some organising in the estates as well, when we've rallied and said, we can solve the housing crisis with beautiful public housing. People start to listen because Vienna, 60% of the population live in beautiful public housing. 80% of the population in Singapore live in beautiful, relatively good public housing. 100% of people live in public housing in Cuba. We can do it. We can push this government out of their privatising model and we can win beautiful public housing if we fight for it. But but we need more national cohesion. We had a national housing justice summit with 200 people, including Zach Smith from the CFMEU. We had around five or six key unions represented. We had seven anti-poverty and housing groups at that summit. And at that summit, we realised, as the AOP government had just made its 44 public housing towers announcement, that it, now more than ever, we need a national movement for housing justice, which has beautiful public housing at its core demand. So we are calling on all of you awesome public housing tenants and, and the Greens um, and the Homes for People, the, the, the prison advocates and so on, to come together in this national movement. The National Housing Justice Summit organising team are meeting on October the 29th. We can do it together. New South Wales is the home of the Green Bands. We're home of the BLF. We're home of also Juanita Nielsen. And we're going to be the home of Saving Waterloo and you guys saving Collingwood, saving all the 44 public housing towers. And people will look at this rally and say, this is where it started. Over 100 unions in Australia have called for a ceasefire in Gaza with humanitarian aid to be sent in to the Palestinians in response to Palestinian trade unions who are calling on international trade unions to stand in solidarity with those who refuse to allow their labour to support genocide in Gaza. From Italy, England to the US, unions have responded to this call with the statement that in the midst of unspeakable violence progressing in Israel and Gaza, a ceasefire is imperative to prevent further loss of life. Israeli forces have countered Hamas's vicious October the 7th attack with a brutal bombing campaign that has killed and injured thousands of innocent civilians, children, hostages, journalists, UN peacekeepers and medics among them. Collective retaliation against innocent people will not de-escalate the conflict. Many have emphasised that the conflict did not start on October the 7th, but 16 years of unmitigated oppression by the Israeli army and state against the people of Gaza, a slice of land half the size of Canberra that houses over 2 million people. There was an inevitability in it. 
As you will be aware, the response by Western states has been one of complete and total support for the State of Israel, without even a cursory nod towards international law. This has amplified Israel's impunity, giving it carte blanche to carry out a genocidal war without limit. Beyond diplomatic support, Western states are supplying Israel with armament sanctioning the operation of Israeli weapons companies within their borders. Across the world, massive solidarity rallies for Palestine have erupted with public opinion in stark contrast to the public statements of Western governments. After the bombing of a Gazan hospital that killed 470 people, doctors, nurses, children, women, men, aged and young indiscriminately, Vigils were held across Australian centres by health workers in protest and support of their colleagues in Gaza. Dr Hannah Al-Ali spoke in Melbourne. Doctors operating in Gaza are losing their lives. Hospitals operated by even international aid organisations are being attacked. Civilian infrastructure built by the United Nations are being shelled. This is a humanitarian catastrophe. We remind the Australian government of its obligations in the international community. The Australian government recognizes Palestine is an occupied territory. In light of this, we call on the Australian government to do the following. Number one, condemn the violence that it is that's being conducted on all sides of this war, including the violence perpetrated by Israel. Uphold standards of international law and hold Israel to these obligations. Call for an immediate cessation of the bombing and siege of Gaza. Support international efforts to open a humanitarian corridor to allow aid to reach besieged Palestinians. And finally, uphold the principles of universal human rights for all people. The world cannot stand by and allow this bloodshed to continue. We believe in life, justice, equality, and dignity, we call on others and on all our medical associations, the AMA, all our unions, all our hospitals, to be consistent and do the same. Finally, I have a short message for our Palestinian brothers and sisters who work in healthcare. You are better than us. Your medicines have run out. You are being targeted. Your families are being killed. And still you serve. We see you. We hear you. We support you. And we will never forget your sacrifice. Large Palestinian solidarity rallies are being held across Australia with key events in major cities happening weekly. Lou Kilakari, Secretary of the Victorian Trades Hall, spoke at the second Melbourne rally showing union support for a ceasefire and freedom for Palestinian people. Now, brothers and sisters, I was in Palestine 
uh, a little bit over two months ago. And I saw what they meant by Israel's right to defend itself. What it meant was the attempted subjugation of the Palestinian people. That's what it meant. What it meant, absolutely shame. It meant taking control over borders, resources, seizing land. It meant walls and permits, administrative control like I've never seen or thought of before. It meant inability for everyday people to trade, to travel, to see families, to get healthcare, to start a business, just to, just to build a house. It meant intimidation and it meant war crimes. That's what it meant. And I sat with families, a lot of families, and they would tell me that every house in their village, in their community, in their neighbourhood, had been subjected to a night raid. And it seemed like the only point of this was intimidation. I sat with families in military courts that were built over, frankly, it was built over a sewer, and it stunk like a sewer, in Dongers, where every person, from the person on the gate to the judge itself, to the person taking the notes of the minutes, were all in military uniform, where the entire conversation was done in Hebrew, where there was children being sentenced to three to six months prison for throwing rocks, and every person in that family, every male child in that family was being sentenced or had served time in a prison. It was completely shameful. Frankly, everyone in that troop is probably still processing what we saw, um, and this is, like, it, it, it was unbelievable, but I just thought our global leaders could be better, that they, that they shouldn't treat us like morons, that we can keep more than one idea in our head at any moment. Yes, they can shame Hamas for their abominable attack on civilians, and we should call for the release of hostages right now. And, and we can call on the end to the war crimes being committed by Israel right now too. Politicians shouldn't take the public for granted. We can also understand context. We can understand why Palestinian people are being angry. It's because their lives are being made a nightmare by Israel. We get context too, and they should be talking about that as well. Lastly, I just want to make note about human rights. Human rights are not selective. You can't, on one hand, just care about the human rights of Israeli people without caring about the human rights of Palestinians too. Because what lies at the heart of that argument is that some people are worthy of human rights and others are not. What is at the core of that is just hardcore racism and it has no place on this planet. No place whatsoever. Comrades, the union movement stands firmly with you and for the freedom of people of Palestine. I want to end on this one sort of note. When I say freedom, you say right now. Freedom? Freedom? When I say ceasefire, you say right now. Ceasefire? 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 Freedom? Freedom? We join you. Thank you to NASA. Thank you to APAN. And congratulations for all of you to turn up. Solidarity, brothers and sisters. I promised my friends, or whoever is left of them, to be here today and to sing for them. And I promise them that we will try as far and as, as strong to get all the voices all the way from here to Gaza. It might sound impossible, but I trust you. Okay? So, <laughs> Fenabka!
نحيا هنا سوف يحلو النغم موطني 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 الأبا موطني 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 سوف نبقى هنا كي يزول الألم سوف نحيا هنا سوف يحل النغم ردي موطني Allah 